In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here live with Scott Pentrack. Scott, where in the world are you at the moment? I'm in Berea. I'm driving home from uh, Brown's practice. Hope to get home in time for uh, the trick-or-treaters. Excellent. And uh, it's only a four-hour difference between London and Cleveland at the moment. So, uh, yes, a little bit later. Uh, So, Scott, how has the atmosphere been in Berea after... The Tony Grossi Mayfield War has gone national. <laughs> it was it was fine. Um, you know, Baker didn't talk today. He didn't come in and apologize or anything. Um, but it was fine. You know, Tony was talking to other guys, talked to Freddie Kitchen. So uh, I didn't. I don't think there was any residual impact or anything. And that's how it's supposed to be. You know, that's the kind of thing that should disappear in a day. <laughs> Do you think the whole world just blown is totally out of proportion? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, you know, I, I don't like when the reporters become part of the story. And I didn't think Tony made himself part of the story. I thought Baker did. Um, you know, so, you know, it's newsworthy when a quarterback cuts short an interview like that, and especially in today's world and today's media, and it made for a good highlight watching him walk away. Uh, but I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's anything that should have a huge impact. You know, I don't know. You can argue whether or not it gives you any insight into Baker as a person or Baker's maturity. Um, you can have that discussion. But, you know, it's, they've been going back and forth for a long time now. So it was another step in that. But it was nothing that was, to me, crazy. Scott, I'm waiting for you to get international headlines and upset someone. So can you, like, upset Odell next week, please? Or uh, just... Uh... That's not really my style. I'm no. a laid-back, conservative kind of fellow. So, um, you know, I could use the headlines and the publicity, but I don't think it's going to come that way. No, but as always, I see you in the background holding your phone and uh, you're there, but not asking the... Uh, controversial questions but anyway well, we're getting i'd like to sorry. Think, i'd like to think i ask some tough questions it's just you know i don't go out of my way to you know upset the guys and you i mean not that i've never upset guys but it hasn't been i guess to that degree you know but you don't see a lot of guys storm away so that's why it was newsworthy you know when your quarterback storms away like that uh, you know it, it's different most a lot of guys get tough questions they get tough questions they don't like um, but they don't always end the interview like that. Yeah. And I saw Doug uh, Lezari today. He said that um, two years ago he upset Brock, and um, in his article he wrote today, Scott, have you ever upset anyone, any names or anyone that you did uh, go the wrong side of? Yeah. Um, I had a back and forth with Kenny Britt a couple of years ago that got some run around here. Um, 
dropped the ball in the opener, and I think Hugh said, hey, go ask Kenny. So I did, and Kenny didn't like that. We went back and forth for a little bit. Um, you know, I think I upset Freddie a couple weeks ago with a question. I don't even remember what the question was. Uh, so, yeah, it, I mean, it just happens, you know, and it doesn't even need to be intentional. It can just happen. Our uh, Our jobs and our goals aren't necessarily aligned and they shouldn't be with that of the players and coaches and team. You know, I mean, if you have to ask a guy about him struggling, that's going to affect, that's going to upset some guys and that's just natural, but it's our job to do it. Well, I'm really happy you upset Kenny Britt because he said he <laughs> hate coming to London and he was always against coming to London. And uh, I even gave him some abuse on the sidelines when he was in London. But anyway, <laughs> let's talk about uh, Denver. If I'm correct, we finally get to meet in Denver, and uh, you're you're heading out to Colorado. I am. Yeah, I'm going out Friday night. Um, I got some family out there, so I'm actually going to be out there for a few days. Um, but yeah, so hopefully you're up late enough that I can hook up with you after the game's over Sunday. Yeah, cool. So if I'm correct, the game starts locally two. Is that right? Yeah, two twenty-five. 225 so yeah i'll be uh i'll be up uh after the game obviously you got to do some work and some writing but yeah we can meet up uh later on for one or two drinks i am keen to get up really early monday and go up to the uh, rocky mountains but we'll see how we'll see how that that goes scott if you want to join me bit of culture going out to the mountains you're more than welcome well thanks i might get up there uh saturday they're gorgeous though i've been out there a few times i got like i said i got family um it's mm. really it's pretty. It's a good trip. And have you ever tried these mountain oyster things? No, and I, I think I'd stay away from them. I'm going to go and try and find the best mountain oysters <laughs> in Denver. So that's uh, that's my challenge uh, Saturday night, or maybe Sunday night with you, go and find some of these mountain oysters. And uh, we're a Browns podcast, so let's keep on the Browns themes. I looked at the injury list. It looks like... Um, Eric Murray's the only player that's majorly uh, out this week. Yeah, and I tried to talk to Eric, and he said, no, you're going to have to talk to the coach about it. And, and Freddie said he was going to have some tests, and they were waiting on results. But it didn't sound good. You know, I mean, if a guy has something happen in practice Wednesday, doesn't practice Thursday, and goes for tests, um, I think it could be a serious thing. And that'd be tough because he's been playing well, he kind of moved past T.J. Carey as the number one nickel. And with Demarius Randall likely out with the hamstring, they would be down two guys in the secondary again. So that would be a blow if they have to miss him. And besides him, it's Randall and then Daniel Aquali, the D-tackle. Uh, he's in a walking boot with a calf, so I think he's out as well. And if I'm correct, uh, Eric's uh, end of his career or end of his uh, contract this year, yeah, I believe that's correct. I think they traded Agba for Murray both in the last years of their deal. So, yeah. And I thought he'd been playing well. I actually asked Steve Wilkes, the coordinator, about him today, not knowing that he was hurt because he wasn't on Wednesday's injury report uh, because I think he's taken such a big role in the defense. I mean, he guarded Julian Edelman a bunch Sunday in New England. And who do you think will step into that role? T.J. Carey? Yeah, I think T.J. Carey, when it's straight up, nickel like third down three wide when it goes you know Steve Wilkes uses so many three safeties that I think it'll be Justin Burris 
Jermaine Whitehead and Morgan Burnett until mm. Randall comes back. I'm looking on the Broncos list, and it looks three times bigger than our list. They seem to have quite a lot of people uh, on the uh, injured list. Yeah, it's so hard to tell when you're not covering that team every day. On a Wednesday, you know, forever Joe Thomas didn't practice. Well, he's still going to play. So, like, Von Miller didn't practice, and I'm working under the assumption that he's going to play. Um, we'll know better later today. We'll know better definitely Friday when the, you know, final injury report comes out. But I think the right tackle is 50-50 to play. Obviously, Joe Flacco's out. Philip Lindsay, they're running backs a little banged up. So they're definitely dealing with some things. And what's your prediction for this uh, game, Scott? What's your score prediction? Yeah, you know what? It's such a huge game for the Browns that I think they're going to rise to the occasion. It helps, obviously, the Flacco's out. Brandon Allen hasn't played at all. You better beat a quarterback that's never played. Um, you know, I, I think Denver's not a bad team. If you look at their stats, they play with a lot of guys. Teams have had close games. They probably should have beaten Indy. They probably shouldn't have beaten. Should have beaten Chicago. I think their average more yards per play than their opponent. So it's not going to be easy. But I think the Browns go in there. I think they get the win. And I'm trying to remember what I what my final prediction was. I think it was 24-17, something like that. Yeah, I had Ben uh, Albright on the show earlier this week, and in Denver, they think. They've got a good chance of winning this, playing it very simple and letting their defense win the game. Well, if the Browns turn it over three times and commit 13 penalties, I think they're right about Denver. But you got to think, if you're the Browns, you're hoping at least. Baker doesn't turn it over, and Denver's defense has not created a bunch of takeaways. And maybe the Browns' defense, which has created like seven or eight takeaways, maybe they can get to that rookie quarterback, and you finally have one of those days where it starts to – kind of snowball for you as a deep can unleash Miles Garrett. And I think if they can get a lead and put a lot of pressure on the – or not rookie quarterback, but the the uh, new quarterback, the unproven quarterback, then I think the Browns have a really good chance to have their way. I haven't caught up with all the press conferences yet today, but any uh, players you speak to today, anything interesting? Yeah, we talked to a bunch of guys. I'll give you two. Um, Odell did his weekly – you know, interview at the podium. And he was good about Baker and having Baker's back and jumping into the fire with Baker. Part of, you know, part of the, because of the backlash with the Tony Grossi thing and part just the criticism the quarterback gets when you're two and five, offense is struggling, Baker struggled. So Baker said, you know, I'm the, I don't know if he said, I'm going to be the first one to jump in the fire with him. Something along those lines. I'll always have his back. So I thought that was interesting to hear. And he also said that, he sees better days coming from the offense. Didn't guarantee when they would come. But he thinks that they're going to get to where everybody thought they would be. And he did admit that, you know, they're not on, you know, on the same page. They're not working at the – they don't have the connection that they would like to have yet. And he said that's just because they haven't had enough game reps. And that's the only way, you know, he and Eli were so in sync is because they were on the – they played in so many games together. And he's like, you can't make up for that. So I thought he had some interesting comments. And then I talked to Larry Ogunjobi, and I haven't written this yet, so don't scoop me on it, Paul, but I'm going to write it Friday. He held a uh, – he stood up in front of the team last week and gave a talk about how guys need to be more accountable and pay more attention to detail. And he said it was took some courage for him to stand up and actually do that. He stood in front of everybody, players, coaches, 
but he just felt it needed to be said. And I think that's interesting for a guy that's only in his third year that he feels like enough of a leader and enough of a need to get that across that he stood up and said that to everybody. Don't worry, Scott. You can have the exclusive on that. I won't uh, write about it and uh, mum's the word. But yeah, I remember Okajobi when it... I remember when Okeechobee, when he first uh, joined, you know, he hasn't got a deep football uh, knowledge and his mum just made him play football because he was a bit chubby. So, uh, yeah, it's great to hear that he's now taking on these leadership roles. And it's crazy when you think someone like that is in his third year. I see him as almost like a rookie. Right, right. I know. And I was talking to Odell for a minute about Larry talking to that to the team. And he said, yeah, he's that." Larry's told him his story, and when he was 13, he was way overweight, and now his body's unbelievable, and I, I, I really like Larry as a person. I think his story's phenomenal, uh, so I like seeing him try to take that next step, and I think he's a really good player, too, and I think he's played well so far this year. All right, Scott, any other players you speak to? Yeah, I mean, I talked to, we talked to Jarvis, we talked to Higgins, I talked to Sheldon Richardson for a little bit. You know, Higgins, it's an interesting story because, you know, obviously he hasn't played much. And even when he's come back from the knee injury, he hasn't played much. So he didn't want to talk about kind of what had transpired. He kept wanting to shift the focus to Denver. He played college football at Colorado State, so he's going to have a bunch of people there. I think he's hoping that this game can kind of jumpstart him for the next nine. Um, But then he needs to get a chance. So he's confident that he's going to get a bigger chance this week. We'll have to see because so far Callaway's gotten those third receiver reps. But it'll be interesting because, you know, there's a lot of fans that think that Higgins is such a key to this offense. I don't love him as much as some people do, but I understand that he's dependable. And when you look at Callaway get a big penalty and seem to run wrong routes, you wonder why he's getting the playing time ahead of Higgins, even though he's faster and obviously – more talented, in my opinion. Yeah, I think everyone knows that Callaway's got the potential to be the most, well, one of the most talented wide receivers on our roster. But yeah, can he knuckle down and do it? That's the biggest question. All right, Scott, last question for you. Any news on David Njuku? Any news of him getting better or seeing him around the training camp? Yeah, he's around the locker room. I thought I noticed that his cast on his arm wasn't as big as it had been the week earlier, or two weeks earlier when we talked to him. So I think that's a step in the right direction, but he still had a cast on, I want to say yesterday I saw him. Um, so I'm trying to think. He played, he got hurt in that Jets game, so that means he can only, he has to miss eight games. So he's got to miss another three weeks. So he thought that by the time he'd come back, he'd be healthy. Um, and I don't have any reason to think that he's behind schedule. But you can also be back in practice for a couple of weeks. So the quicker that he can get back, obviously the better off he is. If you can't get that cast off, be able to run around and catch a few balls, you're not jamming it all into that last week, you know, when he's eligible to be eligible to play again. Yeah. And last, last question, Forbes. Any indication if he's going to be put on the roster? Yeah, I, I think he is. I, I don't think you designate a rookie. You know, I mean, you're only allowed to bring back two guys from IR, right? So – the fact that they used one of those spots on Forbes to me is a clear indication that they're going to activate him. And then the question is, you know, obviously they've had issues at right guard and Eric Cush and now Wyatt Teller took some reps and he might 
you know, he might even get more snaps against Denver. Do you just put Drew Forbes in and say, hey, he's our guy. Let's see what he can do because I think they really like him. He was getting a start. He was getting a chance at the end of training camp to work with the ones before he got hurt. So I have no doubt that he'll be on the roster. The question is, do they immediately put him in that starting lineup and think that he's an upgrade to these veteran guys? Where would you see him play on the O-line? Yeah, it would be right guard. I think that's the, I think that's the spot where they see him. I don't, I don't think they love him at tackle right now, and obviously he's not going to play center or left guard. So I think it would be a right guard for the Cush Teller combo. Well, Scott, I'm really looking forward to finally meet you face to face in Denver. Tell everyone where people can find the, your details. Yeah, it's on Twitter. It's just Scott Petrak, S C O T T P E T R A K. Then you can read all my stuff at BrownsZone.com. Browns zone.com you heard here first brownzone.com and remember beat writers are not all nasty people they're nice people just like me and you all right scott you have a great halloween tonight any crazy plans for halloween no i'm gonna do some more writing and maybe pass out some candy you're a good man and uh if in doubt give some of them uh, trick-or-treaters some mountain oysters they'll know what's hitting when you give them them Okay. All right, buddy. Uh, what's your drink in Denver so I can get you one in before I meet you? Uh, that's a tough one. Maybe some bourbon. Good. No, that's good. Just straight up Bud Light. Oof. Bud Light. Jesus. So I'll be getting you a bourbon, okay? All right. Bourbon works. All right, Scott. I'll see you uh, Sunday or Sunday and uh, take care. All right. Thanks. Thanks.